am exhausted. And it sucks because my week was going so great before. Uh, I think it's been a week. Time is weird. Either way, I've been buzzing ever since the whole hunt thing ended. I hung out a lot with Vicky, wilted the grass into little crop circles just to freak Helen out. We even convinced half a dozen ghosts to go skinny dipping. And our little crook of the river actually froze in 100 degree heat. A couple of the park rangers came over to stare at it. One of them even brought their skates, which seems like the right attitude to have about working here. I don't know, I've just had a lot of energy. I've been buzzing like the strip of soul that I took from the centestite has nestled itself inside me, running like a wire where my veins used to be. Earlier today, Vicky and I were floating on our backs along the river, indifferent to the waves, letting ourselves be pushed this way and that as the river bent and the park's boundaries pulled us back in. I was concentrating on holding Vicky's hand, focusing all my energy on that simple press of skin. So I really didn't mind the mist looping around my ankles and wrists. Vicky was humming, satisfied. Then I looked around and I realized I had no idea where the river let out. I didn't know if the cryptid had been dragged to the ocean or clambered to the shore in the city, and I wasn't sure which was more dangerous. What do you think happened to it? I asked Vicky. She looked at me out of the corner of her eye, and I clarified. The Centestide. I didn't realize you were a bug person, she said. Her grin lazy, her skin glinting in the sunlight. I'm not, I said. I'm just worried. I'm sure it's fine. Where'd you see it anyway, on a leaf? And I shot up because, uh, Vicky was there when I caught the Centestide. She went all rabid like the rest of us had. But when I pushed her on the details, she just stared at me her brow crinkling like tissue paper. I started rushing my way through the store, but when I mentioned the mist boiling up through the trees, she stopped me. What mist? I lifted an arm. The mist followed my movement, sliding around my wrist, sleepy like a snake. Vicky turned her face fully towards me, but her expression didn't change. Her legs tilted towards the river's outer edge, and I could see thick ropes of fog tugging her back. You seriously don't see it, I said. Vicky shook her head. And I was like, but I told you about it. And I know I did. I remember laying out the whole thing for her. Uh, it wasn't exactly me talking the whole time, but the point is it was laid out and she was there. But she just blinked and said, no, you told me about Chad sacrificing you and Madison. You didn't say anything about this weather demon, did you say? And I told her it's a fog, a cloud. In a last-ditch effort, I explained that sometimes it looks like smoke. And then Vicky oh and she laughed. Are you talking about Stonehenge? Stonehenge, it will not surprise you to discover, is Harding Park's haven for stoners, I don't know if this place existed already in 2007 and I just wasn't cool enough to hear about it, but I've never been there, even in my afterlife. The name's cringy, but accurate. Stonehenge looks like some massive, inexplicably avant-garde sculpture. You have to drive through half a dozen crossroads and a couple super deep potholes before you get to it. It used to be just a 
scenic overlook with some benches and a small parking lot, but then there was an earthquake, and, well, Harding isn't exactly known for its speedy maintenance workers. The ground cracked open. Huge slabs of the parking lot burst from the ground, loose gravel filling in at their edges. No one ever removed the cracked concrete. Instead, it was laid out across the landscape in some super random design. One piece, wide at the base and thin near the top, fell diagonally onto a second, even thicker slab. You could still see the yellow parking lot lines slanting across their surfaces. But the concrete slabs weren't the only objects in the pattern. Actually, it's kind of a do-it-yourself death trap. A mix of loose trash and stuff people probably stole from other areas of the park. There's this one sculpture right in the center. It's just two benches stacked on top of each other, like 10 feet high, unstable as a kindergartner's block tower. They're attached to each other with a lot of duct tape. And maybe some mediocre welding work? On top of the benches, there's a paper sculpture made of Popeye's boxes. Someone taped the boxes into a rough sphere and painted their inside silver, so it looked like a low-rent geode. Kind of pretty, though. Of course, none of this has anything to do with why Vicky brought me here. Stonehenge, like the rest of Harding Park, has plenty of mist around. It also tends to gather a lot of smoke. I say smoke and not mist because there's a difference even if Vicky can't see it. The mist is like eternal. It doesn't disappear on Sunday mornings when all the teenagers are asleep. But there was plenty of smoke out there that day, mostly rising from one group of kids near the edge of the scenic outlook. One of them, dumbass, as I'd like to call him, was dangling his feet off the side. Oh, and there was something else there. Uh, someone, I should say. She's still a person. She's just... I... She's eyes. Like, literally, just two eyes bobbing independently of each other through the mist. Her name's Freya. She's the architect of Stonehenge. I guess. It's weird. Vicky wasn't surprised to see her. She waved. Freya didn't speak, but she did look in our direction. Her giant eyeballs had about a dozen pupils each, all ringed by different colored irises. One or two of the pupils flicked in our direction. They moved up and down like they were nodding at Vicky. It was kind of trippy, like watching the world's creepiest disco ball. Then she turned back to what she was doing. One of her eyes was locked on a teenager who can really only be described as an even taller shaggy do. Maybe I'm just not hip enough to get the aesthetic, but for real. Shaggy was lying on a quilt of old t-shirts, which someone had hung between two trees like a hammock. They puffed out their weed cigarette and passed it to their friends. The other potheads were sitting on a fallen tree trunk with the bark carved into a cool honeycomb pattern. None of them seemed aware of the <laughs> massive eye just inches from them. Freya's other eye was focused on an abandoned <laughs> Dorito bag. I asked Vicky what she was doing, but also I whispered because I'm still not sure about the hearing capacities of giant eyeball spirits. She died here, Vicky said. Earthquake, I think. Honestly, I can't remember. They all blend together after a while. Either way, 
She told me that Freya had become obsessed with the reshaping of this land. She spent all of her time here sculpting, working towards the completion of the world's weirdest design, which was hard given her inability to actually touch anything on her own. As we watched, her gaze stayed on Shaggy. Shaggy scratched the back of their neck, their bony knuckles sliding harmlessly through the eyeball goop. Freya kept watching. We kept watching her watching. The marijuana burnt to embers. Shaggy drifted off in the middle of sentences, stared blankly off in the mid-distance. Slowly, I noticed Shaggy's gaze shifting. It began to fix on the Doritos back. The group laughed on, but Shaggy put a hand up, shaking their head. I'm sorry, man, but this is driving me crazy. And they stood up, walked over to the bag of chips, and grabbed it. But they didn't just toss it into one of those outposts overflowing trash cans. Instead, they smoothed down the plastic, staring placidly at the logo. The eyeball nearest them lolled away, towards a strip of barbed wire that hung like a clothesline between a slab of concrete and an old street lamp. There were already objects hanging there. Red tennis shoes, a green Mountain Dew can, a blue bodega bag. The pattern was well established. Red, green, blue, red, green, blue. Shaggy thought for a moment, and then they hung the red Doritos bag next to an old Evian bottle. My mouth opened. She's influencing them, I hissed. Vicky nodded, her arms crossed, and I was like, what the fuck, so we're just fine with this? After all the shit I got for possessing Madison? And Vicky was like, no, but I've tried to make her stop for decades now. You really want to give a go? One of Freya's pupils ringed with blue turned my way. <laughs> I shook my head. Yeah, no thank you. We were hardly a blip to Freya. She was rolling on. One eye moved towards a hula bobblehead on the dashboard of the stoner's ridiculously clean Prius. The other eye focused on a bug-thin girl with a full sleeve of Beetlejuice tattoos. As Freya moved, I could see the thick cord of mist connecting her eyes like an optic nerve. Don't you see that? I asked Vicky. Aya, I'm the one who introduced you. Of course I can see her. And I tried to be like, no, that's not what I meant. And Vicky started to ask if I could just explain then, but I guess Freya got annoyed because there was a rumble from her side of the park, like boulders shifting in a cave. Shush, she said. And then Vicky was like, excuse me. And I was like, um, we're talking here. No one ever talks over me and Vicky. Except for sometimes me and Vicky. Focus, Freya said. Like that counted as a reply. I piffed and said, there's no way this is that hard. Freya rolled every one of her irises at me and I boiled over. Tell me what you're trying to do, I said. I can make her do it in a second. Freya didn't speak again, but her goal was clear. She wanted the Beetlejuice tattoo girl to grab the bobblehead. I could do that. I floated towards the girl. Go get that kind of racist, probably ironic hula figurine, I thought. I could feel the idea swelling like a note in my stomach. Go! And she shot up. Vicky looked impressed, despite herself. All of Freya's pupils dilated. The girl's friends called after her, but she was already yanking open the truck door, her hands wrapped around the hula dancer's waist. 
Hey, Shaggy called. Don't steal my shit. She ignored them and tugged at the bobblehead. I realized too late that it was attached to the dashboard, but she didn't seem to care. She clawed at the leather, her stubby nails struggling for purchase. I couldn't move. I felt like the health bar in a video game, trickling down. Her friends rushed towards her, but she smacked their hands away. She put her mouth to the base of the statue and gnawed at the plastic. My vision dimmed. Beetlejuice girl was all I could see. Make her stop, Vicky called. Aya! I opened my eyes and the girl was crying, collapsed onto the ground. Her nails were bleeding, her head was between her knees. I looked down at myself and my image was wobbling like jello. My stomach seemed to be melting. Vicky looked too worried to be mad. She reached for me, but I wasn't solid enough for any kind of grip, and her hand slid through me. I could feel the mist clinging to her skin, impossible and necessary as ice water in the desert. I moved closer to Vicky. She tried to wrap her arms around my neck, and the mist pushed against my ears. I sucked it in like air. I remembered how to hold myself together again. And when I finally looked up, Freya was still staring at the hula figurine. Her other eye had rolled back towards Shaggy. Overkill is written and directed by Leah Hagen. Sound production is by Juan Giordano, starring Rebecca Rivera as Aya. For more information on all of our projects, please follow Gal Pals Present on Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr. You can also support the show by donating to our Patreon and leaving a five-star review. Thanks.